Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our Grovetown Campus, those in our atrium. Oh, what a beautiful day to be uh, in church on this first day of October. You know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the guy that ended up before the pearly gates in front of St. Peter? And St. Peter asked him, said, you know what? Have you done anything memorable, anything that would set you apart, uh, a particular merit? And the guy said, well, matter of fact, I have. He said, well, tell me about it. He said, one time I came uh, before this group of bikers and they were threatening this young woman. And I thought, this isn't right. So I went to the biggest biker, the one that was covered in tattoos. I, I slapped him across the head. I pushed him down. I kicked him. I jerked the nose ring out of his nose and I turned over his bicycle. He said, you did? When did you do that? He said, a few minutes ago. <laughs> now, the first time I told that to Patty, she said, I don't get it. I said, Patty... He died, and that's why he's, she said, that's not funny at all. <laughs> she didn't think that was funny at all. We were going down Riverwatch yesterday, and she was talking about shopping, uh, and she didn't get this item. I said, well, why didn't you get this item? And she said, well, it was $50, and you know, $50 is $50. <laughs> I thought, well, yeah, you remember about Morris and Esther, but you don't even know what I preached last week. She said, oh, I do. It's the Good Samaritan. Well, okay. But today we're concluding our series called Be Generous, and we live in a world that focuses on self-interest and material possessions. And in this series, we have been trying to, to focus on the power of generosity. You know, the most famous verse in all of the Bible focuses on generosity. It's John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And the big idea for this series is simply this. Every act of generosity can make a big difference in someone's life. Every act of generosity can make a big difference in someone's life. In this series, we are taking a deep dive into the story of the Good Samaritan. And every week, we try to bring something new to the story. And remember, as we dive into it for this final time, that this is about a story within a story. Jesus was answering, was in a conversation uh, with an expert in the law. When the expert in the law asked him the question, he said, how can we inherit eternal life? And in those days, that question really meant was, how do we have the best life on earth now? And Jesus, in response to that question, gave this story. He said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, a Jewish man was traveling down this dangerous stretch of road. They call it the ascent of blood because it was infamous of, for all sorts of muggings and violent robberies along the way. 
And in Jesus' story, thieves rob this man, beat him, and leave him beside the road. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, and he passed down to the other side. I am sure that this guy is lying there in a world of hurt. And he sees this priest coming, and he's probably thinking, Oh, God, thank you so much for sending help. I really need help. But to his horror, the priest went to the other side of the road and kept going. Then we see in verse 32, So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw this man, he passed to the other side. This poor guy is thinking, surely this guy's going to help me. But he, like the priest, crossed over. And at this point, Jesus is telling this story and he adds a twist to the story. He says, a Samaritan's coming by. Now, what do we know about Samaritans? We know that Samaritans were hated by people uh, in uh, his audience that day, in Jesus' audience. Jews hated Samaritans. But a Samaritan, Jesus continues, as he traveled, came to the man where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on the man. He went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him, and when I return, I'll reimburse you any extra expense that you may have. The Samaritan not only helped the man in need, but the Samaritan went the extra mile. And what we learned last week, at times, our generosity will cost us something. But when Jesus tells a story, he challenges the lawyer and everyone listening to what he said. And we see this in verse 36. He said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. Now, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, he said, I want you to go and I want you to do likewise. Now, we notice the response. He said, the one who had mercy. Now, what is mercy? Now, very simply put, mercy is, is love in action. Mercy is love in action. So many times we think mercy is a feeling, but it's, it is a feeling, but, it, but it's more than that. Webster's Dictionary defines mercy in two different ways. It says, first of all, mercy is reframing from harm or punishment. And secondly, the dictionary says mercy is unexpected kindness. So we see two sides. There is this forgiving side um, that says, I'm going to withhold. uh, uh, Somebody's withholding what I deserve. And then there's this compassionate side. Somebody's giving me what I don't deserve. The good Samaritan did something. He took care of the man that was robbed and beaten and left half dead. He had mercy on this man. He demonstrated love in action. And Jesus asked, he said, well, Who is the neighbor here? He said, the one who had mercy. And Jesus said, I want you to go and do likewise. This is not 
a story only about random acts of kindness. We often think about the Good Samaritan, and that's the story of random acts of kindness. That's a story when somebody's been broken down on the side of the road, somebody else stops, a Good Samaritan helps out. But it's more than that. It is a story about love in action. And Jesus is calling each one of us to put love in action, to do something very practical, to help somebody else out, not just because they're in need, because we are carrying the love of Jesus to this community. Matt and Kelly Mondi, along with their family, know this firsthand. They decided to help homeless people in our city. And so they made a a list of essential items that a homeless person would need, things like soap and food and laundry supplies and coins for vending machines and so forth. Because over the years, uh, they noticed the need. In fact, they said these words. They said, we often felt unprepared to help when we saw someone in need while driving um, through our town. At that point, we would scramble to find things in our car to share. But then a friend of ours told us what she was doing. She was putting together packages for homeless people, and we thought, you know what? We can do the same. So we went shopping and assembled 11 packages, nine for men and two for women, and we called them kindness kits. And we keep them in our car so that we can be ready to help. And so this is what that looks like. They would take supplies uh, like hand sanitizer, toothbrush, toothpaste, uh, a protein bar, a fig bar, water, a bottle of water, uh, some socks, um, and so forth, and put them in a gallon-sized Ziploc bag. And so they kept them in the car, and when they saw someone, possibly with a sign, possibly stating they're homeless, they could stop and they could give them this bag, this kindness kit to demonstrate the love of Jesus in practical ways. In a simple way, they showed mercy. In a simple way, they're teaching us what we can do because oftentimes we see people on the side of the road like that and we're overwhelmed because we see all of the needs that are out there. And then we wonder, what can we do? Because we're concerned about giving cash, because what if that cash is used for purposes uh, that are not healthy? And so we're in this struggle. We want to help. And like last week, we talked about, what if we focused on doing for one what we wish we could do for many? What if we would pray this prayer, God, show us the one? Well, this is just one example from a Creek family that says a practical way where you can help somebody along the way where you can show mercy. Now, we know that there are at least three areas of mercy that we can work on. First of all, mercy is simply begins with an awareness. We look at the needs of the people around us. Mercy begins with awareness. We open up our eyes. We see the needs of people around us. We start looking for people in the neighborhood, maybe the needs of people in your family, the needs of people at work, the needs of people that you hang out with, maybe on the golf course, maybe at a football game. But genuine mercy begins with being aware. It begins by paying attention. It begins by noticing The reason that we're not merciful is not that we're bad people. It's simply oftentimes we're just busy people. We're just busy and we don't 
slow down long enough to see that. And so it is important for us to be aware. Secondly, we understand that mercy flows out of this love, this unconditional love. That we love God, we love people, and we serve the world. And so many times when we love people, we want to love people who are kind to us. We want to love people who are like us. But there are times that we're called to show unconditional love. And that may mean that we guard our hearts and we realize that we're not going to be offended by the sins of other people because we live in a broken world. And honestly, we're broken people ourselves. And so we're not going to look down on people, but we're going to look at them and recognize that that person, even though they are broken and even though they are messy, that that person belonged, uh, matters to God. And so what we start to understand that grace and mercy, they're, it's messy, and it's easy to get offended and say, you know what, once they get their act together, then I'll, then I'll uh, like you and I'll help you. Go clean up your life and I, I'll accept you. But if we're, if we're really going to be the light in the darkness, if we're going to be people of healing and help, we've got to accept people right where they are. Accept people in their addiction. Accept, accept people in their brokenness. And I'm not saying endorse their lifestyle. I'm just saying that we recognize where we are right here in this situation. That this is messy and this is painful and, and, uh, and people are broken. People fall into patterns of sin that destroy their lives. Jesus said it's the sick who need a doctor not the healthy. And that we are willing to reach out and to help them. Now, very practical. Showing mercy does not mean that I excuse everything. It does not mean that I think everything is okay. It's not okay. It's not okay for you to be addicted to things. It is not okay for you to look the other way and, and not say anything when you can say something. You may be the only Jesus person that they know. You may be the only person that loves them enough to help lead them on the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's a difference between acceptance and approval. We accept them in, the, in the brokenness, but that doesn't mean that we approve of the decisions and the lifestyle that they're living. And this is a, a tough place to be, and you have to really navigate this very sensitively, very prayerfully, that you guard your heart as you enter into the brokenness of somebody else. First Peter said it this way, he said, above all else, love each other deeply because love covers, love covers a multitude of sin. Here's the third thing. Mercy requires us to choose our words wisely. In other words, as we are extending mercy, 
we understand that the words that we speak over them uh, should be words that would bring help and healing and encouragement. Sometimes they may be difficult to say, but we're speaking truth. And we understand that truth opens the door for freedom to come. And it is natural for us to be frustrated and angry and maybe be abrasive. But here's the point. Mercy means choosing your words wisely. You're never persuasive when you are abrasive. And this can be one of the most challenging things to really institute in your life because when you are dealing with a conflict, especially when it is a spiritual battle there and there's a spiritual warfare going on, you have to really separate the person from the, the evil. You know, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but our battle is with principalities and powers, and we have to do spiritual uh, prayers and spiritual warfare to break the hold that the enemy has on people. And so we break the hold of this on the, in the name of Jesus. And we start to speak truth, and we speak life, and we just declare that nobody but Jesus, nobody but Jesus is going to run your life. And we declare that over that person. Maybe that person is broken in an uh, addictive lifestyle and a broken uh, family, and we just declare that no, nobody but Jesus is going to run um, this family. And we just declare that, and we speak the name of Jesus. And we speak life, and we, we speak hope, and we lift people up. So where do we begin? Okay, there's four ways I just want to quickly share with you today as we wrap up this series called Be Generous, as we wrap up this, this deep dive into Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, we are hearing the story, and we're saying, okay, I can appreciate the story, I know more about the story now than I did before this series. But Marty, what do you want me to do? Well, here's four practical things. And this really sums up the whole series. These are just practical things. And this is like some of these uh, will be um, coming from the previous lessons that we have. First of all, I want you to look for people in crisis. I want you to look for people in crisis, and I want you to listen to them. If you want to help somebody, listen to them. There's healing in listening. People just desperately want to be heard. That's why they pay large sums of money to counselors. Because there's something about being heard. There's something about somebody understanding and listening to your story. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, it says... Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and in this and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what is a burden? A burden can be a lot of things. It may be a physical burden, it may be a financial burden, it, it may be a relational burden. But for the most part, burdens are emotional stress. And when people are under emotional stress, it burdens them down. It weighs them down. I can't tell you how many people that I meet, they, uh, they're, it's like they're carrying this weight. 
They feel this emotional stress. They feel this emotional pressure. And you know how it is. Maybe you feel that and you walked into this auditorium. You've walked into our Grovetown campus, our South campus, and you just feel like the weight of the world is resting on your shoulders. Right now, you're carrying a burden. And I really believe that you are in the right place. I mean, this scripture is teaching us to carry each other's burdens. For when you share that burden, you're, you're cutting that burden in half, I believe. Somebody's taking that on. And how do we carry that burden? We just listen. When you listen to somebody and you hear their story, you hear about their crisis, you are showing mercy. You are putting love into action. It says, and you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is in the message of the Good Samaritan. It's to love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we love God and we love other people, anytime you listen to them in the crisis, you are loving that neighbor as yourself. Here's the second thing. I want you to look for people this week who are grieving. I want you to look for people who are grieving and for people who may have unmet needs and help them. Every every day, somebody around you is dealing with a loss. Some of your friends or some of your family members, they're dealing with a loss. Maybe they've lost a job. Maybe they've lost their dream. Maybe they've lost their savings. Maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they've lost their health. Maybe they've lost their peace of mind. Loss is a a universal problem. And you're going to have a lot of losses in your life. And so will the people around you. We've all suffered loss. And there is no loss without grieving. And there's no loss without pain. And so just be aware of that. God wants you to show mercy to those individuals who are going through loss, who are going through difficulty. He wants you to put love into action. There's a lot of people around you that that, uh, have needs that are not being met. And it could be as simple and as practical as maybe it's a widow that needs help in a yard. It could be somebody else, a single mom that's trying to navigate school systems and and football practice and and working full-time, navigating a schedule. They just need a ride. And so we start to see people who have this... um, the needs that maybe we can just help. Here's the third thing. Look for people who are need, needing friends and be willing to show hospitality to them. Look for people who need a friend. You know, this is easy for a lot of you because a lot of you would be like Enneagram 7s. You are the life of the party and you just go from one party to the next. But everybody's not like that. 
Everybody's not able to go in and out with, with great enthusiasm and, and great happiness and just float from one place to another. God made us all different, but just because we're different doesn't mean that, uh, that, we don't have, uh, that we don't need friends. Even the most socially awkward person around needs somebody, needs a friend. And, and you may be that friend that would help bring that socially awkward, anxiety-prone person and bring them into social settings. Maybe you make it a point to bring them to church. You know, the Bible says that God created us for relationships. We have been created for community. That's why we see in the book of Genesis that it was not good for man to be alone, so God created Eve for Adam. That's why we see in the New Testament, he said, oh, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. In other words, you need to be in church. You need to be in church. There's something about being here in the presence of the Lord that you sense not only God's presence, but you get connected with other people. We need each other. And we learned that the hard way as we uh, navigated through COVID. When things closed down and we couldn't interact with people we cared about, we saw the desperate need. But here's the challenge that some people are still living in the COVID crisis, even though the crisis has passed. They're still dealing with the pain of the separation, and they've never gotten over that. How are they going to get over that? Maybe a phone call from you. Maybe a kind word. Maybe a text. Maybe a cup of coffee. Maybe an invitation over for lunch. Maybe an invitation to church. Little by little, they can get reconnected in community. They've been created for that. That's why Paul said this. When God's people are in need, this is Romans chapter 12 and verse 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And so many times, hospitality in our culture is a lost art. Having a cup of coffee with someone, sometimes it's a lost art, unless it just happens to be a stranger that you see it at Starbucks, which is good. But there could be somebody that you know that you hadn't talked to in a long time, that as a result of this message, you're just thinking about that person right now. And the reason you're thinking about that person right now, that is God prompting you to send a text. God's prompting you to say, hey, let's play golf. God's prompting you just to help engage in that person, with that person. And in doing so, you're showing mercy. Here's the fourth and final one. I want you to look for people who need a second chance. I want you to look for people who need a second chance and just be kind to them. Every one of us, We've all stumbled at some point in our lives. We've all sinned. We all have failed. We all have flaws. And you see it. We've failed. Maybe it's been in a relationship. Maybe it's been in a business. And we see people that are going through failure or moments or seasons of failure, 
And they just need somebody to give them a second chance. They need somebody to give them, uh, to help pick them up. And we can do that. Giving somebody a second chance is one of the most powerful ways that you can show mercy. We see in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate insults when people insult you. Instead, notice this, pay them back with a blessing. Pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. So when you are are willing to bless somebody else, you're putting yourself into the place where you can receive the blessings of God in your own life. Now, if you'll do these things that I've mentioned today, know this, it's going to cost you something. But you're going to receive a blessing. You're going to receive a blessing on your life. What's it going to cost you? It's going to cost your time. It may cost you money. I love the words of Matthew chapter 25. It says, For I was hungry, and you fed me. And I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the question is, wait a minute. When did we ever see you sick? When did we ever see you in prison? When did we ever visit you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it unto me. That's the essence of Christianity. That's the essence. That you roll up your sleeve, you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. You help somebody in the struggle. So look around you. It it may be a single mom that's in the struggle. It may be a widow that's in the struggle. And you just take the initiative. You just do something. You know, this series, like I said last week, it's not designed to make you feel bad. It's not designed to make you feel guilty. This is not that at all. It's just a series about understanding God's Word, putting it into practice, and realizing there may be opportunities. And you will never realize the lifelong difference you may make in someone's life by responding to a prompting that God's going to put on your heart. Man, I think about a few years after Patty and I were married. We were in a dark place. We were broke financially. Our cupboards were bare. We lived in Montclair at that time. And uh, I'll never forget, the doorbell rang, and at our door was a lady named Pat Yates. And Pat was at Kroger, and the Lord spoke to her and said, buy Marty and Patty groceries. And she filled up a, a shopping cart with groceries, and she came over to our house, and we unloaded that trunk, and it filled up our cupboard. She had no clue that our cupboard was empty. 
and that we had bill collectors calling, mainly student loan bill collectors. Probably never heard from those, have you? Uh. But we were in a dark place and just a lonely place. And yet God spoke to someone. And now, 30 plus years later, we still remember that. That act of kindness. And what I'm saying to you is just maybe you can do something for somebody this week. Maybe you can be like the Good Samaritan and where he got off his donkey and he did something. He took care of a man who was robbed, beaten, and left half dead. He put love into action. And I don't know what that looks like for you. But all I'm asking you to do is just be available. All I'm asking you to do is just be sensitive to God's promptings. Just to be kind, to speak life and to speak hope. Maybe to give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. And when you do that, you are literally carrying out the ministry of Jesus in this community. You're literally speaking his word into people in our community. I want to pray over you, and then we're going to sing one final song. Let's stand together. In Grovetown and South Campus, let's stand together. Father, I thank you so very much for this opportunity to hear your word, but not only to be hearers of the word, but to make a commitment to be a doer. And so, Father, I ask that you would start to speak to people in every one of our campuses to prompt them. Maybe it's a prompt to send a text or maybe a phone call or to stop by somebody's house or to help a widow in need, to help a single mom, to give somebody a second chance. God, just speak to us and let us be the hands of Jesus in this community. Let us love people who are broken and sad. God, let us give help to people who are hurting. And so, Father, we ask that you would speak to us. And, Father, we open up our hearts and we say to you, we're ready. God, we are available. So come, Holy Spirit, rest on us. Anoint us to be your people and to be your church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.